0: Chapter 1 of Cowboy Life on the Sidetrack. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dale Latham. Cowboy Life on the Side Sidetrack by Frank Benton. Chapter 1 The Start. I met a man from Utah the other day by the name of Joe Smith and he gave me quite an interesting history of his shipping some cattle to the market over the great overland route from Utah to South Omaha. I shall tell it in his own language, he said. I don't want to misstate anything, and I don't want to exaggerate anything, but will tell you the plain facts. When I and my neighbor's old chuck-wagon, pack-saddle-jack, up jake and Dillberry ike got into the ranch with a drive of cattle, we found that three railroad livestock agents, two representatives of the union stockyards, and five commission house drummers had been staying at the ranch for a week waiting to get our shipment. Each one took each of us aside and gave us a dirty private as to what they would do for us. Every one of the commission house drummers said their house was second last month in the number of cars of livestock in their market and they were looking for them to be first this month, said their salesmen always beat other firms ten cents a hundred on even splits, and their yardmen always get the best fill on the cattle. We went off by ourselves to talk it over and make up our minds which firm to ship to. Pack Jack said it was remarkable that they all told the same story, said it was confusing as nary one of them had mentioned a point but what all the rest coppered the same bet. Dillbery Ike gave it as his opinion that they were the bummest lots of liars he ever see. Old Chuck Wagon and Eat 'em up Jake now compared notes and discovered that all the drummers were out of whiskey, but each drummer claimed that the other deadbeats had drank his up. Old Chuck Wagon took a blue, downhearted fit of melancholy on seeing they was all out of whiskey and wouldn't decide on any of them. Eat up, Jake. Just chewed a piece of dried, raw hide and wouldn't talk. Pack-saddle Jack and me finally decided to build the cattle to ourselves till we got some further light on the subject. As the great Overland agent agreed that his road would run us all the way to market at the rate of 40 miles an hour and the other livestock agents couldn't promise only 35 miles an hour, we gave the shipment to the overland. The overland agent went right into town to have the cars greased and sanded ready to start. We followed in with the cattle. It took us about seven days to drive the cattle in, and when we got there, the cars were coming, but hadn't arrived. We waited around nine days, grazing the steers on sagebrush in daytime, and pinning them nights till they got so thin, we'd about concluded to drive back and keep them another year, when the cars came. It seemed the railroad had got them pretty near out to us once, but had run short of tonnage cars, so just had to haul them back and forth several times over one division to make up their tonnage for the trains. This was very annoying to the railroad men, as well as ourselves, but they had their orders, not to let any fruit spoil on the road, and to haul their tonnage. So just had to use the stock cars. It seems Harriman and Hill, and J.P. Morgan and all the other boys who own the western railroads, are very particular about every train hauling its full tonnage. And I heard that there was places where they had a lot of scrap iron close to the track, so if the train was short a ton or so, they could load it on, haul it to some place where there was some freight to take the place of it, and then unload it for the trains going the other way that were short on tonnage. Finally, we got all the cattle loaded in our contract signed. Got a basket of grub as we were informed that there would be no time to get meals on the road. It is to this basket of grub that we owe our lives today, so I will give a partial description of its contents. First, we had four dozen bottles of beer. Next, eight quarts of old rye whiskey. Next, two corkscrews. A hard-boiled egg, a sandwich without any meat in it, and a bottle of mustard. As Tilbury Ike said, he always wanted mustard. Eat'em Up Jake was for getting a can of tomatoes. But old Chuck Wagon said he never had been empty of canned tomatoes in 20 years and wanted one chance to get them out of his system. Well, we got on the way car, were hitched on the cattle train, and off at last for the first sidetrack, which was about a quarter of a mile from the stockyards. The conductor said we would start right away as soon as we got his orders, so, so Chuck Wagon proposed we open the lunch, which, meeting with the direct approval from the entire party, we proceeded to consume a large section of it, and then went to sleep. When we woke up, the sun was sinking in the east. At least, I maintained it was east, but Pack Saddle Jack said it was the north. Anyway, we argued till it sunk, and never did agree but we found we were on the same old sidetrack and as our lunch was about gone we made up a jackpot and sent dillberry ike after more lunch pack saddle jack went up and interviewed the agent in the meantime as he was the only one left in the party who was on speaking terms with that functionary and found out they were holding us there for the arrival of eight cars of sheep that was expected to come by trail from idaho these sheep belonged to Ramble A bill an old Cotswold canvas back, and these two gentlemen had seen a cloud of dust ten miles away about noon and insisted on having the train held, as they were sure the sheep were coming, which finally proved to be correct. So when they got them loaded, about eleven o'clock that night, we quit quarrelling with the agent, stopped making threats against the railroad superintendent, got Dillbery Ike to put on his coat. He had kept it off all evening to whip the railroad agent who was to blame undoubtedly for all this delay and finally got started with rising spirits but as we got up to the depot where the conductor was waiting with his final papers the head brakeman reported a cow was down up near the engine and we all walked up there and found one of dillberry ike's critters had become so weak and emaciated that it had succumbed right in the start we prodded her and hollered and yelled and Chuck Wagon twisted her tail clear off before we discovered that she was stiff and cold in death and consequently couldn't respond to our suggestions. Dilberry asked the advice of a hobo, who was giving us pointers on how to get her up before we discovered her dead condition, about suing the railroad company for her. The hobo agreed to act as a witness and swear to anything after Dilberry gave him a nip out of his bottle. And after we found out what a good fellow the hobo was how much he knew about shipping cattle and that he wanted to go east we concluded to put his name on the contract and make him one of the party we asked him his name and he said twas most always john doe but we nicknamed him jack doe for short we all went back to the way car and started up to the switch and back on to a sidetrack, as number one was expected to arrive pretty soon, as she was four hours late and was liable to come up any time after she got four hours late. After taking some lunch, we lay down on the seats and went to sleep. Jack Doe, Rambley Bill, Cotswell Camusback on one side of the car, and Dillberry Ike, Chuck Wagon, Pack Saddle Jack, Eat'em Up Jake and myself, on the other side. It was rather crowded on our side of the car, but none of us liked the perfume that Jack Doe and the two sheepmen used. About the time we got to sleep the brakeman came in, woke us all up so he could get into the coal and kindling which was under the seat in the way car. It was warm weather, but the train crews always build roaring fires in hot weather on stock trains, and he was only following usual custom we got our places again and dropped off to sleep and the conductor came in woke us all up to punch our contracts we went to sleep again the conductor came around roused us all up to know where we wanted our stock fed jack doe now gave us a great deal of advice about where to feed and how much but Dilberry said the cattle had got used to going without feed so long that it wasn't worth while to waste time feeding them now Jack Dove said all of the stockmen fed plenty of hay to their stock all the way to Omaha, but never let them have any water till they got there, as they would get a big fill that way. So we finally went to sleep again. The conductor and the brakeman took turns jumping down out of their high, airy cab on top of the car, where they keep a window open, to build up the fire and to see that all the doors and windows below were tightly closed, so the stockmen couldn't get no air but hot air however we had been getting hot air from the railroad livestock agent and commission house drummers for some time and slept on till old chuck wagon began to snore and woke us up again it seemed that he was having a fearful nightmare and we had all we could do to keep him from jumping off the train till we got him fairly awake but after we had each given him a drink from our private bottles he gave several long shuddering shiver sighs and told us his dream end chapter 1